as some of you may have heard by now, Darren and Graham have had to close up shop on the Igloo, their makeshift podcast studio. But don't cry now. It's time for you to subscribe now. It hurts so bad to say goodbye to the Igloo. Many excellent interviews were had in the Igloo. But Darren and Graham will pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Get into a real studio with a little help from your Grammarica subscription. Subscription. The Gulf of Mexico probably more than likely still had water in it, but that's because it got hit by the, the like 65 million years ago, got hit by something that killed all the dinosaurs. So that giant crater is. Okay, guys, welcome back to the America Show. We're going to be chatting with friend of the show, Justin Giefer, a little bit later about his uh, YouTube site, the Jindu. Jindo. Uh, Jindo. <laughs> Uh, good little site. Great thing. We're actually going to start having Justin on periodically to give us little updates on what's going on in the ancient history sector, the rewriting history sector, all that sort of Randall Carlson, Graham Hancock-esque sort of stuff that we can't keep up with ourselves. So he'll just pop on, keep us up to date. Uh, push for that. We have Graham... Looking for quotes in the book Dunlop? Correcting my fucking... Oh, you don't have to swear. What? Graham fucking Dunlop. <sighs> Not quite beefy today. He was beefy last ep. He's wearing the short shorts, but I don't want to address them. If you don't, I'm thinking if I ignore them, maybe they'll go away. I'm glad he's on that side of the table. It's okay unless he until he turns towards you. Well, I know you dig the view, so it's cool. It's all right. I got a cramp in my calf today, and I immediately thought of Graham. Did you? His, That's just messed up. Graham and his fake tattoo. Graham the faker maker tattooer. I worked for like four hours, and I was cramping. <laughs> I thought uh, his tattoo was real. It's all a big scam. No, nah, it looked too perfect. That's true. What? But it does look it pretty- It looked 2D. It looked 2D on a 3D thing. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It looked pretty perfect the first day, though, where it gets all swollen. It wasn't positioned on the calf properly. It was kind of on the downhill. It was on the... On the downhill? Your calves have hills? They do. Mountains? Where's the downhill? See, it's on the, it's on the downhill should, part there. You should go by the... <laughs> it looks like, a, looks like a chicken drumstick. <laughs> you should go by the market and get, a, get one of those fake tattoos. They do really great stuff. My kids love them. They get one well, every single I, week. That's what I did. That's what this is. Oh, it is? So yeah. big shout out to Graham's calves. They were pretty ripped. There should be more of those. Oh. So big shout out to Graham's cows. All right, all right. He nice. gets super triggered at me. He's still so mad at me because I got him to say his full name for the C-SETI one. <laughs> that was perfect. Uh, should I play it now? No, Have you been out C-SETI in lately? Not going out to Medicine Hat, actually, coming really? up. Really? Oh, I shouldn't have said anything. Fuck. 
Okay. There we go. Steady segment. <laughs> we had the new moon, dark Excellent. sky, which is great. <laughs> okay. Okay. Camping. Okay. The tent. Okay. Went back there. That's gonna the be the next jingle. We're okay. going camping. Okay. We're okay. going camping. Right. We'll be mixed in with so Joe Pesci. Okay, we're going camping. We're doing really? no, no, no. Yeah, I was just down in elk water. It's so dark down there. Oh really? Streakers okay, coming down. Okay, two more. Grim Dunlop is the T-Seti star. Grim Dunlop is the C-Seti star. Blah blah blah. Blah blah blah. Anyways, yeah, we're going camping, so it's gonna be a good one. But well, we have listeners in Medicine Hat. Can they come along? Uh, no. It's closed. This is a closed one. <laughs> closed event. <laughs> If you need somebody to run security for you, could, you let me know. Yeah, Michael, you're still a Medi-Hat, right? Yeah. Instant no? Yeah. Not even We consider. might visit the medicine wheel on the way back, do some meditation there. But I'm I'm looking forward to a good one. On the way back. In the, well, you're going to camp then? So you're going to little visit the medicine wheel by day? Yeah, on the way back, yeah, on Sunday. But yeah, I think it'll be a good one. Cool. Yeah. Are you going to go, Michael? This Sunday? The good thing no, about here. the good thing about here. the good thing about camping is you can stay up a little later without like you know without having to worry about packing up and driving home and all right you just jump in your tent at three in the morning or whatever so yeah totally yeah that is uh, speaking of UFOs way later I, than I, I got a, I got an email from a listener let's 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 do that email UFO listener UFO listener yeah hey that'll be an ex- oh, let's call it a since we can call fucking anything a quote let's just play call it a quote. So it's a, a, a listener quote on UFOs. Oh my it's god, dude! Now I don't know what to do. Do I read a quote or do I? No, you pl- no read the What's UFO email. It's a it was an excuse to play the jingle. Hey Graham, great meeting you at CAC and Pagosa. I was there for the second trimester and had the opportunity to exchange UFO sighting stories with you on the Mesa Verde hike. While I was not very familiar with the podcast prior to the meetup, I have since become a regular listener and quite enjoy the show's dynamic, especially having had met both you and Darren. Anyway, the reason I originally went to Colorado this summer was to attend a concert at Red Rocks. Notice the floating orb in the left of the screen hung there for about five minutes then proceeded to travel away from us toward Denver in a very slow and low trajectory until it was out of sight. It didn't float up like a balloon and was much lower altitude than helicopters and planes in the area. I also highly doubt it was a drone based on the relative size and shape. Definitely weird, whatever it was. Haven't posted or shared this online in any way yet. Let me know what you think. So it's pretty cool, actually. So he sent me a video, and there's like definitely a... (laughs) orb floating there have you been to red rocks i have once yeah i noticed in my photos from red rocks there were a bunch of orbs no like more so than other places really it's a pretty wild spot is that that uh is that that uh automatic uh amphitheater like a natural amphitheater out of red rocks right outside of denver yeah Yeah. sort of it's just on a nice ledge basically that overlooks the river and then the and then the seating goes up pretty steep yeah yeah yeah, it's a pretty cool spot. That's cool. The seating? It's all grass. There's no seats, really. It's all just grass, but it's a really natural, oh. steep spot. <clears throat> so it's yeah. like uh, seats, not actual seating. Yeah. I see. I think they have I seats built in there. Seating. They have actual seating built. Oh, do they? No, I don't think they do. I can't remember now. Yeah. 
I don't know. It's been a while since I've been there, but I do remember finding orbs in my pictures. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's interesting. How it's a powerful found, place. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's, yep. Cool. You wonder if they hang around in certain places like that. Yeah, I would say they? so. Yeah. What are they? The orbs. Yeah. Um, could not be though. Could be. I think they're uh, cloaked entities. What kind of entities? Just what do they look like ones? when they're not cloaked? Light. I would say it's just like pure consciousness. Balls of light, exactly. Yeah, so you Mana. can send your consciousness. So like if people can project themselves while they're dreaming or whatever, mm -hmm. I would have to imagine if you were there in the place that they were supposedly transiting, that you would see them as an orb. Yeah. So that would be their consciousness traveling. Is that your interpretation of it or is that their extrapolation of it? Or like no, that's not extrapolation, but no, 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 that's, that's your, that's what I would guess is what's happening. Yeah. Like your consciousness is filtering that and showing it as an orb, whether they're just directing their consciousness out there. That could be why we play such a role in the sightings, right? Because some people see them. Some people don't. Yeah. Like, I wonder if that's what we see as flashbulbs. Like when we're out C5, like we see, Massive flashbulbs. Maybe that's yeah. I consciousness think, being projected, and we're seeing it as that. I think every photon has consciousness innately, yeah. like inherently. So then you've got it just, you know, you'll have masses of photons and collections of consciousness, basically. Yeah, collective consciousnesses. Yeah. So a lot of your flashbulbs, yeah, you're tapping into that. That's what I would imagine. And then you, your consciousness connects and it happens at the speed of light. So it happens instantaneously upon asking. Yeah. Mm. Pew, pew. Interesting. Are you going to come out one of these days? I'd like to go with you guys. I'd like to do like a Grand America C5, but you should. Every time Dan gets invited, it's not. Nah, it's Saturday night. He's like, I don't want to go out. That happens sometimes. It's late. Well, he's <laughs> built it up a lot now, too, though. It's like, once you guys are going out, I'm going to bed. I think you're resisting the it's, sighting that's going to make you a true believer. It's true. Having I'm little kids at 10 o'clock, you're just spent. I'm yeah. fucking done, Ski. Yeah. yeah. Stay up late on nap, the weekend. Nap it up first. Nap. That would be grand, wouldn't it? Mm. <clears throat> it's the profound of the week. Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> Did it again. People are going to think they're listening to the last episode. Okay. Well, we're up against Speaking it. Speaking of this. To get them to finish that So, song. didn't we, we I think I read an article about, it. I think I read an article from Natural News, and I just happened to, to uh, last episode as well, and I just happened to open this up, and it's from Natural News. So you're shelling for Mike Adams? I mean, yeah, I'm just helping him get back on the He won't internet. even come on the show. <laughs> I mean, oh, I doubt it. He might now. I doubt it. He's been, now I can't get a hold of him. <laughs> exactly. Why would you doubt it? I don't I thought know. We, I thought we got a hold of him a while back because we saw him at uh, Red, really? uh, Red Pill Expo a couple years ago. Hmm. Yeah. He was there. Was he? Hey, the Octagon yeah. doctor's in the chats. He's probably just very careful hey, about where he goes, is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> what he goes on. Amid all the controversy over genetically modified crops and their pesticides and herbicides decimating bee populations all around the world... Biotechnology behemoth Monsanto has decided to buy out one of the major international firms, oh boy, devoted to studying and protecting bees. Huh. 
According to a company announcement, Biologics handed over the reins to Monsanto back in September 28, 2011, which means the gene-manipulating giant will now be able to control the flow of information and products coming from Biologics for a colony collapse disorder. Huh. I never heard of that one before. So they sold their patent? That's uh, what happened? No, they bought, well, they bought the company. Yeah. And the company yeah. was based on a patent. What was right? it? Well, Biologics. isn't that what they did? Yeah. Sounds like it. That's, I wonder if we're going to have uh, whatever collapse. Colony That's collapse. why I have the birds and the bees, because we're like the bees and the birds. Oh, I got another. It seems like there's a lot less birds collapse. now than there used to be. Because of the windmills. Ooh. Probably. Yeah, you go underneath one of those windmills, fucking birds everywhere. And those huge solar farm, too, because it, like, the the mirror can direct a ton of heat energy. If you fly through it, you just cook them. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm not convinced. Totally. You should see like, you can see some of the big farms from space. NASA has them where they're just massive, just this huge reflective thing. Huh? We should go to the one by Brooks. Play around uh, it. From. Isn't it's pretty big small. One? Is it too small? Yeah, I would say so. Needs to be like acres and acres and acres. That's probably like four acres or five acres, I bet. I think it's seven, but yeah. Oh, I have a pretty good eye. That's not bad. Yeah. Better be a little low. I was surprised that it didn't, it kept snow on it all winter long. I don't know how effective they are when they've got six inches of snow on them. They're not effective at all. I mean, they're not effective for six months of the year anyway, because the sunlight is just not direct enough. When they sold those things, they said, we get 300 days of sunshine a year. That's because they scammed you. That's too bad that uh, 150 of those days, the sun's on too harsh of an angle to do anything for you. And when, even when you can catch it at that angle, it's just going through way too much atmosphere Arm and everything not else. sold on solar. And you're not sold on wind. So I think we need EM drives. That's because we're alt-right. I saw, I was in Vancouver on the weekend. I saw a car labeled with all these man-made or homemade stickers cool. on there. No to pipelines, no to... Uh, Oh man, now I can't remember the other one. No to everything except for, and then it said, uh, oh, now I'm losing my mind here. It said uh, energy efficient only, windmills, solar, and geothermal. That's it. There's a whole bunch of people that are against geothermal because they tap into volcanic fields. And they're saying that the geothermal operations are creating a lot of earthquakes. You know, really? Same thing with fracking. Wow. But they're saying that putting in these geothermal operations are creating earthquakes, which will then lead to volcanic eruptions, which I think it would be, I think a volcano starts to wake up and it creates the earthquakes. Mm. And then, I don't know, it almost seems like if you punch a bunch of straws in. That would help. It would help because it would create like if when the, Relief when the force. Then when it erupts, it erupts in your fucking living room. Or maybe just your basement. You go downstairs, it's full of lava. You seen the bubbling mud pits recently? I've been to Yellowstone oh, cool. recently. Cool. I've seen those bubbling mud pits. Did you get to see the one that's, uh, what's the one geyser that shoots like no. 300 feet? No. I didn't see any of the geysers. It used to erupt like three times a year. Now it's erupting like 70 times a year. This is a problem. Yellowstone's going to prove to be a problem. But I mean, the problem, the problem is as well is like you said, solar and wind, like that can't do it, right? Solar, wind and geothermal is not going to do it. Plus they're subsidized anyway. So 
they're not as efficient as everybody thinks. It's not as clean as everybody thinks. Big oil divested into solar, yeah. wind, and geothermal. Yeah. So the people who are controlling, who gave us the combustion engine over the last hundred years, are the ones who have now given us solar, wind, and geo. So no, be a great I don't band think name. <laughs> solar, wind, and geo. Yeah, yeah, that could be our new band. Yeah, we could write our own jingles. The first song would be SJW. It would take like months and months and months to write a jingle, though. Oh, I I don't even have you, a bass anymore. You, you, you just write them guitar. up in your in the chats all the time. Okay, yeah. here's our poem of the week from the book Nikki the Dude sent us with some with. Oh, this one didn't. Did this one have money in it? Yeah, yeah this it was did, this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where did that money go? Actually, that's what I just told you. What'd you do with it? That's the money that I used to mail the thing I want to get the fridge with. Oh, okay. We had the meeting. Okay. See, this is why oh, we yeah. don't have meetings. Right, okay. <laughs> I didn't know he meant that was like the, the actual money. Well, it's easier than trying to do anything through PayPal, right? You know, I don't want to fuck around with yeah. going through the bank account. A house. It was just a house that held the chairs where we sat, talked, laughed, and cried. It was just a house where she read her books about mystery, suspense, and lies. It was just a house where we would visit to give her flowers and peach pie. Now she's with the hummingbirds. Her home is the southern sky. Wow. Remind me to read maybe... The third poem in. The book is called 18 Hummingbirds. Sent to us from Nikki the Dude. I'd like to go... Michael would probably know about this, but maybe we'll save it for another show. But 805 Best on uh, Instagram has been going back and forth on hummingbirds and Quetzalcoatl and the... Uh, the god, the the battle of the gods, like the hummingbird versus the dragon kind of thing, is really interesting. Hmm. The and, then two we, are and then we had a bunch of hummingbird synchronicities and Quetzalcoatl synchronicities. And as soon as we we're Who did? chatting about that, wait, 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 Quetzalcoatl wait, wait. started following me on Instagram. I'm like, whoa, Reel this it is in. fucking too much. Who had a bunch of hummingbird and Quetzalcoatl synchros? Me and the 805 best on Instagram. Who's the 805? So this is just you and one Instagram yeah, and listener, account? listener of the show. You guys have both had hummingbird synchros? Well, together. Like, like Explain. Well, I was going to save it for another show. Like you were sharing experiences yeah, you had? Yeah, kind of. I mean, you know, we had that hummingbird at the cabin, and then the dragon site, the, the slithering snake UFO sighting at the cabin. Cool. And we saved the hummingbird. Saved the hummingbird. Yeah, that's right. Well, So the hummingbirds are harbingers of alien sightings Jeez, now I'm, gonna see. I'm, not, I'm, just wing, I'm just winging this here i wasn't ready for this but um <clears throat> i can tease it to another episode. maybe a snake with wings the plume serpent and quexaquatl and the next quote is a poem about a hummingbird only because i've read graham hancock's war god books do i know this but the prophecy was q quexaquatl would come back to battle the god hummingbird i forget it's mayan name but i've been drawing lots of dragons and Q-related pieces of art that's been on my mind, just really trippy. And he's talking about a whole bunch of other synchros he's had. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll save those synchros for another time. Um, oh yeah, like tons of crazy stuff with work and Antarctica and spiritual trips and all kinds of stuff like that. But then things, as soon as we started talking about this, we started thinking about the um, the. Oh, yeah, and then he says, uh, one of the big ranch properties I work at almost every day is called Hummingbird Ranch. It's got a lot of war goddess vibes and sat satanic cult past. And uh, then I got this, right after we were talking about that, this real Quetzalcoatl started following us <laughs> on Instagram. <laughs> I'm like, come on. 
How does that happen? The AI. The deep AI that you're talking about. It's saving the world, right? Saving the world or something. Is it gonna is it gonna save it or kill it? Saving it and destroying it all putting once. it all on a hard drive somewhere. A server in the cloud. Who knows? So backing so us up. So it's way beyond it's backing up the simulation before it deletes it. Yep. So it's way beyond it. big it's way beyond big tech unintentional censorship. It's like this is like quantum AI putting in it's big AI. In. How would you know if quantum was ruling everything or not? I mean, all the stock exchanges are all on the computers. AI is doing like 90% of the trades now. So, and in 2015, you know, the whole Jade Helm thing was supposed to be about mapping for the quantum computer to then be able to take command and control, you know, and that was four years ago. So what's your deep things are going so fast now. So what's your theory that they actually, that uh, that's actually like a deeper level of, I kind of wonder if a lot of the media stuff that comes out now isn't being wargamed in a computer as to this is what will, you can put this in place and make this happen so that they'll all look at that. Or I almost wonder if Trump isn't working for it. You know, it's hard to say. I don't want to go into Trump though, because maybe Trump has an implant and it is Trump. Yeah, maybe. It feels like we're living in a fucking dystopian dream world, though. It so does. does. So many things are crazy right now. Yeah, so many things are so synchronistic that it's breaking down. The simulation is breaking down. But just the the people that are just lying so openly in the media and Trump and the people that are lying about him and he's got the hourglass. He's simulations having trouble keeping up. Seven billion motherfuckers tearing shit up. Just fucking. It's like no. Actually, the lights are flickering. Actually, quantum computing, the way it works is the more data, the better and faster it works. So it wants <laughs> so more So it's just data. scooping up that's everything. The, that's yeah, but it's just song. like, you guys are fucking retards. That's why it's, it's fucking like, turning ah! into a stupid dream world. That's why, it's, that's why it's like getting rid of the... Uh, that's the, why you need to tell your friends about the Grand America show and support the Grand America show so that we can uh, feed the AI brain food. Yeah. That's right, slash support. Sign up for monthly, all that stuff, and how uh, the AI will be happy. More Grammarica the AI gets, happier it is. Tell your friends about the show. That is kind of true. But that's something that people could do is to you know feed it more and more. But it's just going to learn to game those things too. So we'll game it first. And it's got so many people totally addicted to it. I mean, think of how many people now are just constantly in their phones, you know, or on. Well, because it, because it's it's man, it's it's how you work nowadays, right? And when I the mean, devices, you when you there's know, ten you're... times more devices that are hooked up to the thousands of times the Internet of Things, you know, when everything is all hooked up, then there will be just people who are not in it, and then everybody else will be. And, and then, then they when, have and then the more you. data you get, the more accurate bell curve you get, or the more accurate, like, you know, you know well, how, you know how your averages become better and better, the more you get, like if you were to roll, you know, a dice 20 times, you're not going to have a very accurate average, but if you roll it like 2 million times, you're right. getting right there. So yeah. is that sort of part of it too, that the more data you can crunch, the more accurate this. I think what I'm trying to AI say is it's trying to control it seems as though it's trying to control your consciousness and where you focus it. 
So more and more people are going to be more and more focused on to just whatever the AI is trying to get you to pay attention to instead of, you know, let's say we're actual spiritually spiritual beings and our whole reason to be here is that spiritual evolution. Well, the AI keeps you from it, keeps you distracted, keeps you doing something totally different. Yeah. And the more people that spend more time on that, then there will be less and less actual humanity until at some point then everything will be absorbed into the Borg, right? Yeah. Well, it's hard now because you're texting and, and emailing customers from your phone. Like, you know, it's, it's, you know, colleagues from your phone, like everything now you can do from your phone, right? Audiobooks. Now, I mean, apps that, that, that are helpful. I mean, a lot of it's helpful. Like you're connected to people in a way that we've never been connected, but it's also. Totally. A hundred percent. Yeah. But it's also. But it's also extremely addictive. Yeah. And the human brain, I just don't think was, I don't know, maybe it was perfectly designed, but it's way faster. Yeah. Hmm. I even get some weird ads now. Like you'd be looking at something and this ad will come up that's almost inappropriate. And as I shift my attention to look at it, it disappears and it's replaced with something that's not quite as risky, you know? Wow. Really? Yeah. It's really weird. Like I'll see, like, I don't, I don't look at porn or anything. So when I get, not that there's anything wrong with it, it's just kind of, it's also addictive and you got to be very careful about it. And I don't know when you have kids, you just don't look at porn, I think anymore. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is, so then I'll get this really risky photo that'll come up. Risque. Yeah. That'll come up. And then when I go to look at it, because it's like, whoa, that's weird in your peripheral, I'll focus on it and then it'll disappear very quickly and like this strange bathing suit ad that continues to come up. Like I've never bought bathing suits or anything like that. I don't know Maybe why I continue to, to get, go to the beach or that I need to lose 15 pounds. Yeah. white legs. Yeah, totally. That's it. I don't know. It's just really weird. Those things freak me out, I guess. When yeah, you get these yeah. images that are not quite like, it's like, what the hell that shouldn't. And then it disappears. That's weird. Yeah, Facebook yeah, just got shit for sharing data. Big mess. Support the show, fight the power, america.ca slash support. We should probably wrap it up there. There's a short intro, but we are up against it with our swap cast with the Conspira Normal show, which probably come out as a bonus show, so get over it. You got an extra episode of it. Who was this an intro for? This was an intro for Justin Kiefer, so enjoy this amazing the Jindo chat. YouTube channel. Yeah, Talking with, about alternative history. We got him first. Got YouTube channel. Cool. We got the awesome. Jindo first. Yeah. Yeah. Justin yeah. Kiefer. Check enjoy it out. The chat. Great channel. We've got Justin Giefer with us tonight. 
about science and archaeology news uh, and like basically alternative history. He's the Jindo on YouTube and BitChute and Minds, and his Twitter is the Jindo, and he's got a personal Twitter as well, Justin JG, where most of the stuff happens. So yeah, I was just mentioning before we started recording. I love your YouTube channel, buddy, and uh, it's good to have you on to talk about it. Hey, it's an honor to be in Grimerica finally, guys. <laughs> yeah, thanks, man. That's great. Absolutely. Where do you want to start? I mean, I've honestly flipped through like I don't know, fifteen or twenty of your videos, probably loving uh, almost every one of them is fantastic. Well, you've been going uh, off about the coastline, so why don't we start there? <clears throat> yeah, we can start okay. there if you want. Sure, I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I've been exploring this idea of uh, Aquaterra, which is basically um, th this ongoing multidisciplinary effort to map the coastlines oh, of the Pleistocene. Oh, oh I love which it. Is basically, the time before the Younger Dryas boundary event 12,000 years ago. Yeah, and that's what I've been talking to Randall about. Like, I've been mean, so intrigued. Like, what would that look like with 300 feet less water or 400 feet in some instances? Absolutely. And this video that I did, I think about a week ago, is um, basically uh, an update of this Aquaterra paradigm is what they're calling it now. <laughs> and the most interesting part of that is not just the coastlines and like the submerged uh, supercontinents like uh, Sundaland and stuff like that, but it's the people who were most likely living there. It was a huge, huge population of people. We're talking yeah. millions of people. Like half the, half the globe usually lives on the coast, right? You were saying? Uh, Absolutely. And not only that, um, the more inland you go, like a place like London, for example, would have been almost uninhabitable for a big uh, population because it would have been a lot more dry. You wouldn't have been able to grow stuff in there, you know, because at that time it was way inland. Like we're talking like if you're thinking about, uh, for example, North America, it would have been like Kansas or something like that. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. Just way away from the coastline. Yeah. Um, so it, it, again, people back then would probably, there might've been some people like some nomadic people living there, but it wouldn't have been a huge, uh, sprawling pro population like you would see on the coast. And so we're talking about like, let's just get, let's just put this in a time scale for people too. So you're saying before the younger driest events. So that was what, like 13,000 years ago or something like that. I always get that yeah. wrong. I always get mixed, your mind. mixed up, which, uh, what the exact well, the date is. The younger driest boundary is between roughly between twelve thousand eight hundred eight hundred to eleven thousand six hundred years ago. That, okay, so that yeah. coincides with the end of the Pleistocene, and the start of the Pleistocene is about two point two million years ago. So that's like a large right, uh, right. span of time. That allegedly that's when humans uh, arose was during this time. Right, uh, like people of the genus Homo. Right. So the so the, the what you're talking about with the coastlines of the UK, for example, and like where London would be, would be around twelve thousand eight hundred, or within that time frame that you mentioned, like around twelve thousand eight hundred before the sea levels rose at the in the Younger Dryas. So London, instead of being like a <clears throat> a few miles from the coast or whatever it is now, I can't I don't know even know what it is a hundred miles maybe or fifty miles or something like that. It's pretty close now, yeah. And it would have been it's like, like seventy five like, miles across that motherfucking island, isn't it? No, no, I think it's way bigger than that. No, it's bigger than that. You're talking about England? Yeah. yeah the UK, yeah. I always yeah. piss them off. <laughs> we have yeah, a UK well, posse too, Darren. You got to be careful. You got to know your, fat, your geographical it's facts. It's a little island, okay? <laughs> hey, Siri, how wide is England? Is Siri on right now? Is she listening? She's okay. always listening. I found this on the for how wide. Check it out. I oh. hate it when they do that. Can't you just answer? You're supposed to answer, not just pull up a, a website. Well, that just means that it's subjective. There's uh, 12,000 kilometers of coastline. 
Uh, horizontal width. 437 kilometers, 271 miles. So I was off by 75%. That's not bad. I mean. No, you're off by more than that, dude. You said 75, it's 275. So you're off like 300%. You guys should have like an over-under segment. Yeah, uh, we should. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, it's still, I mean, I drove that on Saturday. I drove across. I would have driven across the width and back. All right, go ahead. There you go. So I've driven anyways, around like, England like 100 times per road trip. So I'd have seen every corner of that motherfucker by now. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of windy roads, dude. It's not that simple. Like really windy, narrow roads. You'd well, freak out driving around England. I don't freak out, bro. You would. Going around corners of hedges and there's only one lane and you're expected just to rip I'm off in my the side dodge. of the road. I'm in my car. dodge and every other car in England is just going to bounce off of me. <laughs> So, uh, so what would the what would the uh, what would the coastline be then back then? So it depends how far back you go. So the ice that the last glacial maximum was about twenty thousand years ago, and then about eighteen or sixteen thousand years ago, around there is when stuff started to really melt because we started the Earth started entering this period called the Balling Alarod period. I've, you probably heard Randall talk about this. Yep. It's basically this natural. Uh, Basically, business as usual with the with the Earth, because you know it go, it go, undergoes intermittent uh, warming and cooling periods. So this was it was on the uptick, this natural warming period. Yep. And then what interrupted that was this impact, this cosmic impact, and so it it plunged the well. You see that in England or the Greenland ice cores, you see the um the the temperature spike and then it drops. Right. And that happens twice, and yeah. then then we start warming again. Right. We're here, here we are now. Yeah. So, um, so to answer your question about, um, the coastline about 20,000 years ago, there was a giant ice sheet that was resting on top of the Northern part of the, of UK. So, uh, parts of Scotland and, uh, Ireland. And then when that started to recede, you started to see, um, uh, the, what, what was, what's now underwater is this place called Doggerland, which is this, this huge landmass that connected uh the uk to the mainland and so the coastline would have looked like uh yeah you guys can pull it up if you want just oh uh, yeah, pull up yeah. Doggerland. yeah if you guys have a visual of that for the audience um or it's really audience. interesting it's like a <laughs> just, kidding. just kidding but uh um Apparently, this 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 place, Doggerland. Uh, there's a lot of fishermen uh, fishing on what, what it's now the English Channel, essentially. And they started pulling up all kinds of stuff, like weapons, tools, wow. bones. Yeah, and they, and they've been doing this for for it's been reported like for 150, 200 years that they've been doing this. So then they started uh, archaeologists and other researchers started looking into this, and then they started figuring out, hey, this was habitable land not too long ago. And not only was it habitable, there were people coming and going, and there was a large scale uh, society here. And that's basically first it was uh, skeptics started attacking it, and then it survived skepticism, and now it's starting to become uh, accepted. And then now here we are at this Aquaterra paradigm that's about to take off. That's fantastic. And yeah, I it's love fantastic it. stuff. So does that does that have anything to do with the Cranogs in Scotland too that you talk about in one of your videos, which was fascinating, like these man made islands that. Or is oh, that the, is that part of Doggerland, or is that on another another side of it? I thought I saw Darren pull it. Well, up. well, I'm so far, it those, up. just fucking relax. <laughs> <laughs> those Cranogs, um, they 
Well, remember 20,000 years ago when there was an ice sheet, uh, where the Cranogs are now, there was a giant ice sheet on top of that. So the, it can't be older than, than uh, 13,000 or so years, I, I would imagine. Now, if, if that's connected to Doggerland, maybe uh, those people share the genetics with the people uh, who occupied um, Doggerland. Okay. And maybe they had some of those customs. But honestly, there's no uh, research that connects the two directly. There, uh, everything right now would only be a uh, speculation. Right, right, right. So the Doggerland seems like it was more east of, of the UK. Yeah. Okay. And the Cronogs were north, probably, where, like, they were in Scotland, right? Where Scotland like northwest. Is now. Yeah, north, yeah. northwest, yeah. So, but, and, and those are known to be man-made. Like, how come that's stuff we never hear about? Like, the, these are, like, man-made islands. When were those supposed to be made? Well, supposed to be, like, what do you mean? Like, the initial thought? <clears throat> yeah. Oh, like the what, initial thought. Well, what is your sense on when the when the the Cranogs were were made? Well, I think they're a lot older than what they initially thought. Yeah. And when I say they, I mean like you know mainstream archaeology yeah. and stuff. Um, they thought it was the Bronze Age, which is about three three thousand or two thousand BC, one thousand BC around there. Not uh, around uh, about around the time when the uh, the Roman uh, the Roman Empire started before the Roman Empire was an empire. So about 1,000, 1,500. But I think it goes back further now just because um, they started finding all of these new uh, like tools and, and uh, this organic material that might, have, that might date them further back. Actually, not really might. It's, to me, it's a smoking gun, but you know, it still has to go through that whole slow academic process of yeah. skepticism and criticism and all that stuff. And another reason why um, they didn't really get to the bottom of this was lack of funding and lack of bodies just uh, doing the legwork. Because there's a lot of these Cranegs out there, and there's a lot of them out there that haven't been discovered, and even more out there that have, that have been discovered but haven't been tested. So in the article that I did about the, the Scottish Cranegs, they only did about a hand, like 15 or 16 of them. Mm -hmm. And there's hundreds of them out there. So, um, what is your sense that it's back to like Gobekli Tepe era then? It could be. Um, right now, I think it's probably more, uh, probably 5,000, 6,000 BC around okay, there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So in the middle of, of that. Yeah. Uh, basically around the time when they started adopting, um, agriculture. And, yeah. Agriculture yeah. and large scale agriculture and tools yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 That's fascinating. So Darren's got the, uh, got the map up here. The extent of land. Oh wow! So that was the extent of land to ten thousand years ago. So that, see, I pictured more of it being below the UK. But I mean, I guess so. That's that's the land goes. So there's a whole bridge there between France and uh, <clears throat> and the UK. Yeah, and you bet that those people were they were active people. They had trade routes, and that part of the reason why I started my channel was because um, people will read, oh, they had trade routes, and think nothing of it. I'm trying to fill in the holes in their, uh, I don't want to say the logic because it sounds condescending, but I'm going to say it anyway, holes in their logic that fails to comprehend what that means. Like in order to have a large scale trade route, the size of Doggerland and probably bigger, a lot of shit had to happen for that to become popular and accepted in their world. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So they had to have like a code of laws. There were probably wars fought over that territory because they found weapons and stuff like that. 
Um, there had to have been advent a culture. There had to have been some sort of religion. Basically, uh, motivations for them to even trade in the first place. So, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of moving parts going on there. And part of my channel is not not to uh, demystify and and um, and discover new things, but to suss out the stuff that's already out there. You know what I mean? To untangle the cord, so to speak, and yeah. to really uh, uh, get people straight on what's out there and, and the implications of such discoveries. Yeah, yeah. So while we're in that area, did you did you look at the Azores at all and, and what the extra or uh, 300 to 400 feet less of water would look like over there? Yeah, I've looked into the Azores, the Azores Plateau uh, east of, or I'm sorry, west of uh, the Pillars of Heracles, right, uh, Spain. Mm -hmm. uh, the Strait of Gibraltar. And yeah, there, there really was uh, a landmass there. Now, whether Plato was referring to that as Atlantis is up for debate. Some people think he was talking about America as Atlantis because that also fits the description of uh, west of the pil pillars of Heracles and stuff. But the thing about the Azores is um, there's a lot of interesting biodiversity there. You know, there's a lot of uh, extinct now extinct uh, fauna there that wasn't anywhere else in the world. Um, now that it's about 400, some parts of it are more shallow, but now that it's in this uh, depth where it's a very unique depth where there's just enough sunlight that can get down for stuff to grow, but also there's stuff there that is left over that could have only lived when it was above a certain height. Hmm. If you guys get one, it's kind of like a, Think of a coral reef, right? A coral reef is just like that, where it's kind of like a timestamp of all the fossils in the coral reef. They must have lived at a certain depth. So the la then the only thing you need to do if you're a researcher is to check the last time it was at that depth. And then there you go. You have a timeline. You have a working uh, timeline there that you can uh, branch off from and make you know crazy hypotheses or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I haven't thought of it America's Atlantis before. That kind of would coincide with with some of the stuff that Hancock's coming out with and some of the, the recent studies and you know, the mounds in a lot of ways seem to be maybe some sort of uh re representation of something they were trying to do that they were doing before as a culture, right? Like, you know, after the shit hits the fan, the the people are trying to redo what they were doing with you know, I but probably wasn't too far removed from what's happened and what happened in Egypt and places like that. But the, yeah, that's interesting because I mean, I was here. I've been hearing rumblings now that in the next few years it's going to come out that there's a site in Montana that uh, could prove to be, you know, the same thing, hundred thousand years old. Yeah, I've heard about weird stuff about Montana, and not just that the fact that it was one of the sites of the deluge and the, the uh, younger driest boundary and in Missoula and stuff like that. But I've heard them finding like dinosaur bones there and stuff that's like impossibly old, like millions and millions of years old there. And uh, yeah, that place is definitely worth, if I was a, a young and up and coming archeologist or researcher, I would definitely uh, look into that place for sure. You are. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you're only uh, a few states away. Yeah, I'm not that far. We could meet there. Let's meet there, and then we'll have a contact at the cabin there, That's or contact right, at yeah. the Cranig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. We could do that. You know, that could that could happen because we got we got a guy. We got a Montana guy. 
that could uh, help us out with that. Shout out to Brandon, friend of the show. We make sure we had everything we needed to have a proper contact at the cabin. I'll tell you what, you could probably get some fucking proper cabins in Montana. You get something like down by the edge of uh, Yellowstone and head or head around all that shit. That'd be gnarly, man. Our next one's awesome. in Utah. Uh, where uh, Bryce Canyon around there? In between Bryce and Zion, so we can hit both. Nice. Yeah, that sounds like a good time. I might be able to make that. Sweet. Sure. I wanted to come to the first one, but I just couldn't just because of work and stuff like that. That was a bummer. But yeah, um, be great. Yeah, I definitely want to make the next one. Check out uh, contact at thecabin.com. Let's do it. All the infos there. My newest, <laughs> my newest masterpiece. <laughs> so what's your, uh, I mean, before we jump off of sh uh, coastlines, what's, What's your, uh, what's the highlight if you had to pick like one thing? Is there anything cool in Antarctica or like, what's like, bam, what's the best part? Like obviously the Bimini road and all that would have been above board. Oh. We're talking 400 feet, right? Not right, everywhere. Not everywhere. Point. I don't think though. Not everywhere. There are some places like New Zealand was never connected to Australia. You know, it was part of another uh, strip of land there. Um, but uh, one place that is interesting was uh, Sundaland, which is basically now uh, New Guinea and, and uh, Indonesia. And uh, I'm sure you guys have heard of Mount Toba. Yeah, uh, the, yeah. Yeah, that was in Sundaland. And although that was 70,000 years ago, still, that, that, that place is a huge, uh, it's very significant be, for a lot of reasons. Um, and it's connected to the Denisovans. Um, I'm sure you guys had Bruce Fenton on not yep. too long ago. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Yeah, yeah. Friend of the show, Bruce Fenton. We're going to do a contact at the castle with that fellow one day. <laughs> that guy is super interesting. And, and he knows a lot about this as well. Um, he knows more about it because he knows about the culture and all the, like the local legends and stuff like that, that talks about this. And um, basically there, he is right. He, when he says the natives of that area talk about a bloodline that's uniquely their own. Wow. Um, in their in their culture, they say that they come from the Pleiades and stuff. But um, if you look at their genetics, they first of all they have a, a section of their genetics is completely unique and not it's not like anybody else uh, found in the world. Um, the Polynesians share this as well. But they, they, uh, when you boil it down, they all belong to this one group. And the hypothesis now is that they belong to the Denisovans. Because the Denisovans, they came from Denisova Cave in Russia, or Siberia, which yeah. is now part of Russia. And they, they traced their genetics. Apparently, they migrated all the way from Siberia. They crossed the Tibetan Plateau, which is where frickin, uh, 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 the, the tallest mountains are, like K2 and um, Mount Everest. They climbed that. They stayed in the Tibetan Plateau long enough to leave their mark because they found their, these weird tools. The Tibetans have this weird gene that, that are traced to the Denisovans that allowed them to li live at ungodly uh, uh, heights, wow. and alt like the, the altitude gene. And these people kept going. They went down through Asia. They left their mark in, in China. And the, the, I'll get to China later, but basically the Chinese are holding a lot of evidence close to the vest. They, 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 don't, they don't disclose a lot of their artifacts. They don't disclose a lot of stuff. Um, they handpick a lot of the researchers that aren't Chinese to go in there. So um, there's a lot of mystery there, but the Denisovans are connected to China. Well, anyway, they go through China, they go to Southeast Asia, and then they make it to in freaking Indonesia. And then now we have these people 
who are talking about this bloodline and that they come from the Pleiades and then they and their people went through like trials and tribulations to get to where they are today. And then not only that, they have um, I did this previous video of one of the oldest stone monuments, period. And it's not even a monument. It's more of like a, a shelter, a stone shelter. And it's about at the very least 60,000 years old. And it might be older, just like Gobekli Tepe's date is the, the date is based off of just some organic shit they found nearby. So, because you can't date stone. So it might be way older. At the very least, it might go back 100,000, 200,000 years. Because that's about the time when the Denny Sylvans would have uh, went through that way based on all the stuff that they found. Well, didn't they also go the other way to, uh, isn't that where the native North Americans come from is the Siberians? Aren't they connected somehow? I'm so glad you asked that, Graham. Okay. So I did an, I did not an interview. I did a video on um, Siberia and the genetics and there's so much going on there. It's so confusing. And how do you even keep up? Convoluted. Yeah. I, Hey, I block out time, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I have a lot of stuff going on. You know what I mean? Like I block out time to walk my dogs. I block out time to do these videos, you know, I block out time to make a dinner You know, yeah. all this stuff. So, um, I'm very disciplined when it comes to that, I guess. Um, but anyway, so the Siberia thing. So the original thought was that there were these, let's call them proto Siberians or whatever. These people, these people who were connected to the native Americans, right? The native Americans we know today. Well, it, that was long speculated. It was never proven. It was just an assumption that they made. And there was a lot of circumstantial evidence, but no smoking gun evidence until very recently they found a skull. Okay, so this skull was found in, uh, I forget the name, but it's where Beringia was. If you guys know what Beringia is, if we go back to coastlines. It's basically the land bridge that connected Siberia and Alaska. Okay. Uh, yeah, so anyway... They found this uh, skull nearby. It wasn't underwater, but it was nearby where Beringia would have been on the Siberian side of the land bridge. Anyway, um, they, that long story, because it's really convoluted, um, that skull connected the current modern Native Americans we know today with the genetics of not only Siberians, but the first Siberians. So there is this isolated group with the, this now extinct genetics that were living in Siberia at a time when Siberia was habitable. It's not the frozen tundra that, that it is now. There were, there, you know, it was a place where you could live. There were a lot of uh, megafauna there. Um, there, there was, it was plentiful. It was good uh, climate to grow stuff. So people were having a good time there. Darren, your ancestors were hunting giant beavers That's in the right. Siberian, Siberia. That's right. Well, your Absolutely. ancestors were hiding underground like a motherfucker. Dire beavers, man. There's the like big old these, buck, these buck monsters deep. are real, man. You were that, that one with your giant wolf head that you had the so, video too. Like, so these it, are like dire wolves, man. Right. That's where it comes from. Oh yeah, um, you're getting all D and D here. I see where this is going, and I'm reeling it in before we get there. Um, so the Denisovans, then, are we looking at them? Because if we're talking about a hundred thousand years ago. Does that mean that we're going to find out that maybe a bunch of this shit in North America is maybe from the Denisovans as well, and they had some sort of global culture? Is that what we're, you're getting at? Maybe, or maybe they were, uh, maybe they were confined to just Siberia in that part of Denisova Cave, and they were just living among a bunch of other human species. Like, uh, let, like think about, um, you know, that game World of Warcraft. There's a bunch of different races and stuff. There's like orcs and ogres. 
and like goblin See, type of creatures. D &D. Yeah, here we go. I'm telling you, it might have been. <laughs> That's what I'm cool. thinking. It's this is genetic memory. That's why the Lord of the Rings and all these things are so deep within us. Like then, the, why we love them so much. It's this. That's some of that is the way it was back then. <laughs> giants, it, it sounds insane, giants, but and then, dragons, and <clears throat> magic. Absolutely. I mean, have you guys heard of the the? Um, I forget which Native American tribe, but it's somewhere around Nevada now. I forget the name, but they had a legend Navajo? that it, may, it might have been Navajo. I don't know, but um, they apparently their legend was their origin was that they fought a war with giants with red hair. Yeah, and as the story rows went, of teeth. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you guys know what I'm talking about, then, right? They they killed them and they killed the last of them. They backed the last of them into a cave. And they rain. This is a legend. They rained down arrows and fire on them until all of them were dead. Holy! Well, they find this cave near Red Rocks, it, near Vegas, and they find giant skulls with red hair and a bunch of uh, uh, arrowheads scattered all over the ground. It's like, what the hell? How do you explain that? And then what happened was they took those and they locked them away in the museum, and they're only accessible not to the public but by people upon request so you have to request it if you're like in academia or something and then you got to get like permission to actually hold them and look at them and stuff like that wow we should but they that really shit. do exist i oh, think absolutely. there's giants i think you know the nephilim was a thing i can get on board with that they were leftovers from when the earth was smaller <laughs> <There's less gravity. laughs> So those giants are having a hard time, right? That's why we was able to fuck them up. Because a giant, a giant should be, you know, bigger, stronger, faster, everything than you. But they were having trouble with the extra gravity from the earth getting bigger. They are slow, sluggish like Graham. I think you're onto something there. <laughs> oh, I love it. Fits into the theory. Fits in. <laughs> My growing theory of everything. Be careful, man. Some grad student's going to hear this and write their paper up. That's good. It's theory. all, yeah, it's all, uh, this is all uh, creative commons. Open source. America.ca slash support. We need that, though. That needs to happen. And <laughs> then you can put it in your paper. So what about uh, coastline? I mean, I don't want, really want to get off that topic because it's, I'm fascinated by all this stuff, especially the genetic uh, mapping or evolution from, like, you know, where, where we really came from. <laughs> Like we should just get our we should just get our DNA tested. I'm not doing that. Just so we know, like how much. Then I'm gonna get fucking denied insurance in a couple of years. <laughs> I really don't think that's a good idea. That's scary. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a possibility. I think that's the business model. Yeah. That's why they can yeah. give you a hundred dollar DNA test because they're gonna backdoor and they'll say it's a oh it's a anonymous. Yeah. But then there'll be a leak. Yeah, it's all big data, man. Yeah. So what about it's the Carib to... what about the Caribbean and the Gulf of Mexico then, as far as like this uh, <clears throat> this coastal change? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm always wondering because you know you see how Cuba and the Dominican go around and and uh, <clears throat> and the Central Central America there, like that had to be so different with 400 feet less less water. Definitely. Are they mapping that out in this new paradigm? Um, I, the, the research that I read, they are probably going to get to it, but they haven't, I haven't read anything, uh, that indicated that they've gotten that far. Cause right now there's, there's still, there's so much to map out that they've done. Like they're doing Doggerland, 
they're, they're doing uh, Sundaland. They're doing uh, parts of Japan where uh, Yanaguni is. Yeah. If you guys have heard of that. Yeah. yeah. And Hancock's the Beringia. Yeah. yeah. But here's what I'll have to say about um, the Gulf of Mexico is the Gulf of Mexico probably more than likely still had water in it. But that's because it got hit by the, the like 65 million years ago, got hit by something that killed all the dinosaurs. So that giant crater is still there. It's oh. just underwater now. So about two million years ago, it still would have been a crater with with uh, water in it and stuff. But the, like the stuff like the Bimini Road and Cuba, Dominican Republic, all that stuff more than likely was connected in some way to uh, all the other islands there. Yeah, maybe a shorter yeah. trip from Africa too. Oh yeah, don't get me started on that, man. Because uh, no, no, I just of- got you started. <laughs> Because um, well, I want to see what you think. Because I've been I've been having some crazy ideas about that lately. Well, I don't think they're crazy. I don't think you're crazy. I think um, it's crazy to think that the ocean was a barrier to the ancient people. Mountains and deserts were barriers, not the ocean. The ocean is like a highway. It's like a conveyor belt that that could, if you just can get a, a seagoing vessel that could stay afloat, and if you could get enough food to survive the voyage, then it's no problem to to. Uh, hug the coastlines and get to where you need to go. I mean, that that was one of the theories about the people from Siberia who came to South America and even ca- California. We have an island called, or a group of islands called the Channel Islands. And when the when the water level was lower, then it was one giant island. And they found that these people were uh, hugging the coastline and just riding the waves all the way down to Tierra del Fuego. Eventually, the bottom tip of South America. So when they say the Polynesians or the Siberians uh, had a seagoing vessel, I believe it. I mean, it's totally possible. I mean, why would they think about Easter Island, man? Easter Island is such a, a speck now. It's not it wouldn't even come up on Google Maps if it, if it weren't for, or Google Earth, if it weren't for, you know, the, the, the little graphic that they have that indicate like that little arrow that indicates that it's uh, Easter Island. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to imagine that a group of people just so just ran into Easter Island, you know, it, it, uh, and also now they're finding a quarry that's under the water there. That's not even that deep. And then they're suspecting that the stones that created those giant heads that, you know, that's become your logo were from the quarry underneath the water now. <laughs> yeah. It's like 30 <laughs> meters deep or something like that. I see. So that. that would bring that yeah. back to, that would bring that age back again to before the younger Dryas. And the carvings are eerily similar to the ones that go back like Tepe. Absolutely. Where they have their fingers like neatly uh, folded in front of their, their navel. Right. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? And yeah. yeah. I've been entertaining the idea lately that uh, a bunch of black people came over from Africa on boats way before and that there was a you know i heard hotep jesus talking about it on joe rogan and i was just like that makes a ton of sense to me that you know there was a bunch of black people in the caribbean and in the southern of uh of north oh, that Amer- they were already there of north america already they were already there and you know they just that the whole slave trade thing was like uh like you know part of fake history because they don't want black people to have any sovereignty over the land or whatever you would call that yeah, there's something to that, definitely. Like um, uh, the Olmec heads, they look like they're from those. those their facial features look like they're they're African. I, you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, those giant heads in yeah. Central. America. Yeah, like that. They don't even know how old those things really are. So um, yeah, who knows? Maybe that. Uh, what's his name? Hotep Jesus. Yeah, he might be up. Uh, 
on to something. Hotep Jesus. I yeah. think he's coming on the show soon. Uh, and oh, well, boy. plus that Caribbean probably would have been like, it's not like you're hitting islands. That's probably all one big giant landmass at that time. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it could be. I mean, I don't know why that look would at, sound ridiculous to people. Yeah. I mean, know? look at it. It's just, it's, it's right there. It's like a big, uh, if you take 400 feet of water out of that and it's all connected. Yeah. So uh, that reminds me of the Catalina Island too, off of, uh, off of LA there. So is that part yeah. of the Channel Islands there? No, it's uh, the Channel Islands are more north of Catalina. Just a bit. Oh yeah, they're there. Yeah, they're a little bit north. Yeah, Catalina's here because that's that's a mystery too. We got to go to Catalina, Catalina one day. Contact the Catalina. Absolutely, Contact that's the Catalina. UFO hot spot. There's electromagnetic disturbances going on there. I think that's where the red orbs come from, Darren. Red orbs. Yeah, orange orbs. I thought those were at uh, at the, down in the Brown Mountains. No, no, these, they come from three spots in the ocean. Catalina's one of them. Oh, the more you know. Did you know about these the orbs? Of, is that the, are you talking about the Battle of L.A.? Uh, like no. The alien invasion? No, but that, oh, maybe, that's, maybe that's got something to do with Catalina. I don't know. You're just making shit up. <clears throat> we had, uh, <laughs> no, we had Terry Ray on who talked about the orange orbs and he tracked them with all the research and all the data that, that they had from all the reports and they came out of three areas of the ocean. Like there was, you know, um, <clears throat> trends, right? They come out of uh, Catalina Island and there's one, I think in the couple in the Gulf of Mexico as well. And they would, uh, they seem to be traveling out of these, these underwater bases and then traveling around nine to 10 at night seemed to be the time. And they were traveling in the same direction a lot of times. And so, and then there's a whole bunch of other stories from Catalina too. I mean, that's, that's, that's a, whole mystery it's a itself. fucking catalina wine mixer no, no nothing no nothing interesting do you think it could be like military or something like some sort of like nazi technology or something like that yeah you know? underground bases man from way back us yeah. <laughs> it could yeah yeah or I mean, some like submarines. some like underground civilization you know that might be where white people came from they're like you got the like white people escaped from living underground like oh, an offshoot, a broken civilization from uh, from uh, the underground people that, we uh, that Admiral Byrd ran into. We were hiding from the Nephilim back then? Exactly. So what's your theory about white people? Um, well, I was reading this stuff about the... Have you guys heard of the Scythians? They're yep. like uh, yep. step people. Yeah, so the, apparently those they're people They're good at shooting were, bows on, on horses, I think, weren't they? They're yeah, like Mongols? Yeah, they're basically that that type of lineage. Yeah, but they were way before the Mongols, and they were not only were they good at horseback and stuff. They were good at not being conquered by other people, and they were good at preserving their culture. And another thing they were good at was uh, spreading their genetics into um, Europe. Essentially, you know, they were humping and pumping. You know what I mean? And um, they were spreading their genetics, and apparently, those people are. Basically, uh, tr when you trace the lineage of the modern Europeans, especially the people from uh, the, the Caucasus Mountains, they trace to the, this tribe of Scythian people. Wow. And, yeah. And the, when you look at historical records, like the Romans, they never messed with them. Um, they, they, they described them as some of the most formidable people ever, like period, the end. Like there's no, there's no way that they could, con their legions could contest with them for the reasons you mentioned that they had mobility and they could essentially, they could attack while backing away from you. So they could just keep, they could keep that distance 
where you're charging and they'll just back up and then turn around and shoot you. And so because just because of that alone uh, and that culture that they had, um, this uh, this I don't want to call it nomadic, but this agrarian culture where they didn't really stay in one spot. They would put almost like these these planned migrations around their territory. And they just lived like that for thousands and thousands of years until one day. They, just like all other things, they started fragmenting into smaller tribes, and then you get stuff like the Mongols, where they just get so, they get so aggressive that they take over everybody, and then it becomes this huge uh, generation of just killing everybody. And then, you know, it's no it's no uh, coincidence that once Genghis Khan died and his son died, that was pretty much the end of the Mongols because you know they didn't have that same leadership, yeah. that same yeah. bloodlust yeah. that was there before. So, um, yeah, so that it's a very interesting snapshot in history that not a lot of people know about. Um, but they, uh, people suspect that when you read between the lines of history, especially like these ancient historians like Plutarch and Herodotus and like these guys from uh, the Mediterranean, they speak of these people who are sometimes they, they, they refer to them as the Northmen or the people from the East or uh, these people, these step, the mountain people or whatever the um, barbar- like barbarians, some people think that they weren't just referring to people from Germany, that those people from Germany branched off from the Scythians. And that's why they had very similar cultural ideals and, and similar ways of living pre-Roman times. And it's also the reason why it would explain that the Romans had such a hard time of uh, keeping uh, G- Germania or modern day Germany in check. I mean, Julius Caesar could barely even do it. So, um, yeah. How far back are the Scythians? Are we talking about with the Scythians and like 2000 BC kind of thing or 22 two, two to 3000 BC or? Well, if you want to just go by the hard evidence, yeah, like around there, maybe even further back. But yeah. who knows? Because again, they were really good at not getting, being conquered and not, even not even uh, being seen, really. So they might go back even further because those, because the earliest accounts referred to them as already fully formed and developed people, not an up and coming people. So they must have been there well before that these surviving documents were there. Where, um, where, 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 where are you talking about in location, like the black sea around that area? Like the, yeah. Like around the black, the black sea, the steppe, yeah. um, the, the, the Caucasus mountains around there, may, a little bit North from there too. Where, where's people, the Caucasus again? It's around where you said like the black sea, okay. North of Iran. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Yeah, and then those people just were hard people, and eventually, you know, if you get, if you're, if you be, if you're a group of people who are uncontested for a while, and you have access to all these resources, and you have mobility, and you you can basically you're unconquerable, then yeah, you're gonna um, part of their culture. Actually, a part of their culture that I forgot to mention is they send young men to pair off with women, like and other young men, like these platoons. And they would go out and just conquer and divide and I mean, not divide and multiply and just keep going and until they got to Germany. And that's who they think um, were with the Celtic people at the time, the, the, the people who were there who occupied Scotland and all that stuff. Once the uh, ice caps receded, those were some of the first people to occupy that place. And that's why there's if you I don't know if you guys ever have ever heard the connection between the Irish people and the people of the Caucasus Mountains. Their genetics are strongly linked. And they might think that's because the Scythians, they just went that far out. 
The wow. problem with the Scythians was they never had national identity. They never they never identified as, okay, this is the country of Scythia. No, they were just a conglomeration of people who had mobility and a culture, but no national identity. And they just and part of their culture was to divide and conquer, essentially. And then until they became they lost their identity as Scythians and just identified as okay, we're not, well, I guess we're Germans now because they occupied this area. And even, the, you know, the word Germany in, in, or the word Germania in, in Latin means ger, like a, like a, a seed, like a, like a germ from a seed. Yeah. And that's what they referred to these people as because they were just so pro, prolific at uh, not only dividing, but spreading their culture and, and maintaining that, that strength. So it's a really interesting seed. thing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's where it came from. And so, I'm going to do a video on that later. Oh, cool. Sorry, so, so the meta, I mean, the, the, going back to the ice age and the, so that when the, the glaciers were receding from the, you know, the Northern Europe, the UK kind of thing <clears throat> was the, uh, cause some of the world wasn't, I still don't have this clear in my head. Like some of the world wasn't really affected the same way North America and Northern Europe was right. Like the, the, the area of the Red Sea, Egypt and the Mediterranean, was that still fairly consistent throughout that ice age? Cause like, cause the ice age, it's not like, you know, I think people have in their head that the, during the last ice age or the gl glacial, um, what's the word? Um, last that, glacial maximum. Yeah. That, that the whole world was, was just ice. Like it was, you know, but, it, but it wasn't right. It was just, no, that, no, 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 no. So there was lots of it that was, um, just the way it is not now but you know what i mean like there Just wasn't it wasn't as colder. affected you know well the red sea was affected it, it was but yeah. it was it was still a, a, the red sea but th there are islands in the middle of the red, red sea so the distant so there's this new um theory coming oh it's not really new but it was it it was proposed when um the people left africa they went through um what's now i guess the, egypt and saudi arabia the they went through yeah 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 well, there was an, along with that theory was another proposed theory where they crossed the Red Sea. Now, the reason why that theory got shot down was because they were like, well, the Red Sea's too thick. There's no way that they got across. Well, when the sea levels were lower, there were like stepping stone islands that cut the distance like 75%. So when you're talking, let's say 100 kilometers or whatever, it was more really they had to cross like 16 kilometers. So in that way, it became feasible that they did go through there. And guess what? They, they did some uh, uh, excavations in that area of the Red Sea. They find remnants of human activity there as well. Wow. Why is that there? Yeah. yeah. It's just like, it, it, again, there, it's not just this one cookie cutter path that some guy, some academic, uh, you know, proposed 100 years ago. It's not, that's not the only, you know, that's not the only explanation. There's probably... A, a bunch of explanations that have either been shot down or suppressed or not even thought about yet. Yeah. That theory also applied in the other area that, that enter what you talked about in that video, the intervisibility where, where there was, you know, people are like, well, how did they cross all the way from Australia to, um, what was it? Was it Papua New Guinea or whatever? But you were, you yeah, were mentioning yeah. that there's that intervisibility theory where <clears throat> there's all these islands that are in between. So you, just because you can't see Australia doesn't mean you you know that you're not going to get there because you can see the island that's in between there. And people were traveling island to island mm -hmm. back then yeah, when, when the coasts were different. Absolutely, Graham. You're right uh, about the intervisibility thing because 
just put yourself in your in their shoes for a second. I mean, if you're a a scout or whoever from this uh, a presumably nomadic tribe, and your your main task is to look for like a, a suitable shelter to raise your family, um, a place that probably will have food, and a, basically a place that will sustain you. If you assuming that they don't have a spyglass or GPS or anything, they have to use dead reckoning, which yeah. is basically the, what they see. And if you go back then, you could see if you could see a, an an island in the distance that's within boating range, then you're gonna go. Like somebody's gonna go, yeah. right? It might yeah. not be person A, but it might be person B. So that just just by going by human ingenuity and human curiosity, they're gonna they're gonna island hop until they find something like Australia, like what Graham was talking about, that even though they can't see Grime, uh, not Grime, America <laughs> from, um, from Island A, if they get to Island X, then it becomes visible. And then there you go. History is made, right? Yeah. So um, yeah, a lot of academics failed to uh, think about this. They didn't, it didn't occur to them. And I don't blame them. But uh, yeah, it's just it's just it's something that is easily um, overlooked. But once once it's brought to your attention, it makes a lot of sense. Where do you want to go? There's just fucking islands everywhere, <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely. Do you want to get That's into uh, the Titicaca stuff? Uh. What exactly are you talking about? There's a lot uh, I see on something there. here that says ritual artifacts found in Titicaca reveal details of ancient Tiwanaku culture. Oh, right, right. Yeah, that was a that was a while ago, I think. Um yeah, Lake Titicaca is weird because um There's an alien face there, isn't there? I don't know. What do you mean an alien face? Isn't isn't Titicaca the one that's got like all the 108 different faces or it's got the wall of all the different faces which seem to be like all the different cultures from around the world and then one looks like an alien? Man, I don't know. Tell me more about it though. It sounds interesting. I don't, I'm know, not if sure if that's, I don't know if that's Titicaca. That might be uh, the one that's close by much. Uh, <clears throat> what's the one that's close by it again? I can't remember my... Well, the border goes right through Titicaca, eh? the border of uh, Bolivia and Peru, huh? Yeah, yeah. Tiwanaku, Bolivia. Yeah, that's yeah, what I was Tiwanaku. Tiwanaku, yeah. That's not the same thing. No, there's one near. There's one in Titicaca as well. Isn't that shit all in like the same yeah, place? Yeah, so Pretty but much, it's, it's all. But, like but, the but same. if you go there, it's not necessarily like you're going to both. I thought we talked to some people recently that hadn't gone to one but went to the other. So it says Tiwanaku has a car depiction of every race. Greys are the most popular alien. How could they do this thousands of years ago? <laughs> Man, that, I don't know. I've never heard that, but that sounds really fascinating. I've seen, on on I've seen it on Ancient Aliens. I've seen on Ancient Aliens, season one. That Before was the it went season. the fuck off the rails hard. <laughs> season three, it took a hard turn on off the rails, in my opinion. Season three, and now they're by season four 10 for or sure. Huh? By four for sure. So, what are some of the other things that you want to do videos on uh, coming up then? That you're researching. I mean, because it's pretty cool. You got a good variety of uh, topics. Yeah, man. I'm uh, one one thing that I'm really obsessed with Siberia now. There's so much there. There's so much potential in Siberia just because um, it's so different now from what it used to be. 
You know what I mean? It was like, it was almost one of the epicenters of human activity of the Pleistocene. And there must be so much stuff there. Like I did very recently, I did, I did a video about the Siberian bird, man. They yeah, found, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, um, it, I've confirmed that it's not a hoax either. At first, when I saw the pictures, I'm like, this looks fake. <laughs> and then I started looking into it and I started reading some more stuff and it seems pretty legit. Um, what they found was it was basically this culture there that they didn't really know anything about, but there were, uh, build, like there were just burials. That's it. There were just burials that were really, they were buried with all kinds of jewelry and, and all this stuff that indicates that they believed in an afterlife, but that's it. They didn't really know anything else. And then they find this bird man who had not only these bird man clothes that look like from like an M night Shyamalan movie, but also like these spectacles, like he had glasses like these creepy looking glasses and stuff. <laughs> and that's what made me think it was fake because it looked just like, uh, like a comic book character, you know, like it looked like it was inspired by like some villain or something. Yeah. Some, uh, native ad thing or some uh, viral ad campaign. Yeah. And then they found this guy that was, or two guys that were buried there and the way that they were buried, like their positioning was really weird. Like their head was like down, like into their, like their chest cavity. And then they also found two children underneath them like a few feet underneath them. And now they don't even know if those children had anything to do with those guys and where they came from. And it's still an ongoing thing. There's not a lot of uh, uh, a data that's come out yet. Cause it's still, it was pretty much freshly discovered a, a few months ago. But um, yeah, the, 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 this whole Birdman of Siberia thing is just like fueled my interest already. It was already, I was already interested, but now it's even more so. And then you got like uh, people in Finland who uh, mixed with uh, these pro the these proto Siberians I was telling you about, and they the Finns have have a culture a, a really interesting um, origin culture as well that's very similar to the people in Australia. Not that they come from the Pleiades or anything, but just like their origins, uh, they're, they're similar in the fact that they came from another place essentially. And um, there, there's a lot of there's like an identity. Like when I came out with that video, it. it I got a lot of mixed review, not reviews, but mixed comments because there are a, a, a contingent of Finns who identified as fully European. They're, they believe that, yeah, we're people who just came from the Nordic countries and, and they just, they followed the coast and they lived off of there. And then there's another contingent of people that are accusing group A, the first group that I mentioned, of suppressing their real identity. So there's something, there's definitely smoke there. I haven't sussed everything out yet because there's so much that like the Aquaterra thing came in and I just couldn't ignore that. But um, th there's a lot there. And that's one of my most popular videos, that Finland video. And it's actually a really controversial uh, subject. Huh. Yeah. What's your, really interesting. what's your feeling on that then? How does it like, looking at all this Bruce Fenton stuff and all the, the Denisovan stuff, what's your sense on, on what happened there with uh, Homo sapiens way back when? Well, it's linked to Homo erectus. Now, Homo erectus is um, supposedly one of, not the, mo not the oldest uh, member of genus Homo, but the most, we have the most evidence of them. They're the oldest that we have a substantial amount of fossils on, if that makes sense. And they go back about 2.5 million years ago. And uh, remember earlier I said that the Pleistocene is about 2.2 million years ago, the onset. Yeah. And the Pleistocene just might as well be called like the, the age of Homo, basically. Um, because Homo erectus is found 
everywhere in Africa and a lot of it in China. So we might be just if we're just I mean, we're on the record, obviously, but it, just personally, if I had to guess, I would say that Homo erectus was probably this um, the seed race or something that we all are originate from because just from the evidence, because they're, again, they're, they're the oldest, the most widespread. And then just like the Scythians, like I mentioned earlier, once you think of like a tree trunk, right? You have like a, a tree trunk and then it spreads out. Um, I think that's basically what happened with Homo erectus. They started in maybe one or maybe two spots and they branched out so far that eventually they became, once they got to the other side, they became different people, different right, species. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Um, so that might, I think Homo erectus is the key to knowing our um, origins and what the fuck happened to us during but, that time. But when you say through that time, you mean lots of time, right? Not just two like, point two yeah. point two million years yeah, at exactly. the very least. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you were not going to find anything written or anything back no, then. So no. the best thing we can do is just find bones and and just try to piece together what the fuck was going on. Like like tools is a big one. Uh, fire, like the only thing I can think of are, are just stuff that's really hard to date. Even charcoal is really hard to, to date at, past a certain point, you know? Yeah. And that's another thing about my channel is um, not only do I delve into these mysteries, I also like to spend time on dating techniques. Like I talked about LIDAR, which a, a bunch of people have talked about now, like this laser imaging that where you don't you need to cut down a bunch of trees anymore to, to map the landscape. You can just forego all that. And then a lot of other... Um, like radiocarbon dating, I, I that's not new, but a lot of people don't really know why it's faulty after a certain point. So I talked about that, and that has to do with half lives of of uh, carbon and stuff like that. And then there, and then all these other uh, types of techniques that are, uh, like I mentioned, the Channel Islands earlier. There, I did a video about not not strictly about that, but part of that video was about this um, this technique that these archaeologists were using. To map the floor there, essentially, which goes to uh, the Aquaterra paradigm that I was talking about. So yeah, um, understanding these techniques and what's possible—I'm uh, talking about possible in the modern day—will really help people who are on the periphery who don't really read this stuff. It will help them understand not only the complexity of what we're dealing with, but also um, it'll help them imagine solutions mm -hmm. to see like what what we can do to get closer to the truth. And that's basically what my channel is all about. It's just like, a, I like to call it like a comprehension check just to make sure they understand the weight of what they're reading because anybody can read a headline and make a, a conclusion based on the headline, but it takes real, real attention span, like a good focus attention span and like a, a familiarity with the topic to really get the gravity of the situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. We need people like you to take that information that's out there already and put it into a different format where people can imagine the future and the possibilities of finding out more about this stuff. Because then uh, and we're all connected, right? And there's the, you know, our thoughts are things and we all go. And so as the more of us start imagining these things, they will become, uh, they will come to fruition. You know, these, uh, the ways we're studying the water and all these different things. I mean, it's, everything's happening so fast too. So it's great to see, you know, another way to to digest this information because there's a lot of it out there that, that the paradigm's changing and we don't even know it yet, you know? 
Absolutely. You're absolutely right. And you guys are a big part of it too, man. You guys are like the amplifier for all, for people with, who have a small voice, you know, right. and who, yeah. but, but they might have creative insights and yeah. very unique insights. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you guys are awesome for sure. Oh, America's shit. <laughs> America is okay. We are grand, grand, we're the shit. All right. I'll give you that. Um, most of the, it's a community. It's the shit. The grand America community is the shit. Um, you pulling up there, Darren? I'm looking at the, the severed wolf head? wolf head from his uh, YouTube page there. It's pretty much a dog. I wonder what else they'll pull out of the fucking permafrost up there, eh? Because <laughs> did that thing get its head cut off or what? Well, that's the thing, man. Like, why is his head so cut cleanly off like that? They don't really know. They haven't really explained it. They haven't addressed it. But they they know that that thing's like, what was it? Like 40, like 40 inches or something crazy like that? Like the head itself is the size of like a big, a pretty, you know, respectable sized dog now. And that's the fucking head. So, you know, what, what else? Like, and presumably they were roaming in packs. So imagine a pack of those things just roaming the landscape in Siberia. I mean, a super pack of super wolves just hunting you. Yeah. The severed head is 16 inches long. Oh yeah. 16. So like 40 centimeters or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big wolf head. I put the bite down on you. I mean, leaving people to the leaving them to the wolves had a whole different expression, <laughs> fucking a few thousand years ago. Absolutely. And then once they sequence that DNA, we'll see. We'll start to really see what, like, where dogs came from, especially you know, because yeah. even dogs right now are a mystery too. They don't really. They're not sure that the explanation right now is kind of. Uh, Kind of hazy at best, you know. <laughs> that they came from uh, gray wolves. That they only came from gray wolves. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, weird. It's, it's that kinda, is really weird. It's kind of like us too, though. I was going to ask you about, you know, the Homo erectus and and what you're saying about, you know, like two point two million years ago. Um, was there a genetic intervention from aliens or anything like that? Is that part of your, you know, your theory or your speculation that we were, you know, somehow. <clears throat> um modified or i don't know about like an actual alien coming from like space i don't know because i try not to go into uh waters where there's no like real like hard evidence Mm -hmm. but i do have um something that does have to do with aliens and it's like uh eureka moments like thoughts like we don't really understand thoughts and like um, inspiration right Mm -hmm. that very well could be alien you know that that some somehow some way maybe some ethereal i guess for lack of a better term spirit could have somehow entered the somehow or another entered um the bio the bio uh what do you call it? the biomass of the planet and somehow now stay with me here that somehow hijacked some sort of organism and and evolved that way i mean that that could that could easily be just as alien as, as like a gray alien coming down from Saturn or some shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, but again, like that's what I would have to think because when you look at history, like, like look at fire, fire is a good example. The, the, where did they get the idea to start fire and harness it? You know, like that's not, I feel like to me, that's not something that is random. Like a, a lightning strike and getting fire that way seems like it could be random. But maintaining the fire and and developing a way of starting it and then learning how to cook food and then knowing that a, a seed could turn into a plant and you can cultivate it, like all that stuff that requires 
some sort of like knowledge base, I don't think that is haphazard. So there must be at some point in history, someone must have had that knowledge or someone must have had that eureka moment. And how did they get to that point? Well, maybe that's where the alien theory could come in, whether it's a a being, an organic being or or just, you know, a thought. So, yeah, it makes uh, me think of that last episode. We, we did a couple of episodes up, with, the, with the Resonance Foundation guys, and, and I really got a visual finally of like a thought, how it could take form in a, in a shape, in a sacred geometrical shape or with a, with an electromagnetic you know, signature in a way which could resonate with you know, another one. I mean, entangle with another, another one somewhere. Or I Absolutely. Know, I just feel like, like we, the way that they're starting to show how we're connected. I didn't smoke yeah. a whack of DMT of a real good idea. How those <laughs> thoughts yeah. could be yeah, aliens. Sacred geometry. Yeah, when I think the of sacred, sacred geometry, geometry representations of fucking things. Yeah, I think of like mathematics. I mean, mathematics now, algebra was around millions of years ago. Like it never changed. It was always there. Right. So what the hell is math? Maybe, you know, it's not, it's not changing. Right. Right. We don't know. And some people think it's just like a man-made creation, but I don't think so. I think um, because geometry exists, then you have to assume that mathematics also existed as well. So that in and of itself could be alien, you know, who knows? Yeah, that's awesome. The mathematics behind the reality of the universe is its own conscious thing. And it's God. It could be. Yeah, I know, Logos. Yeah. And Maybe that's a Logos. It's a turtle. Yeah. We're all just turtles stacked up on top of each other. Yeah, turtles all the way down. Yeah, I think it's just bigger turtles named Kaliuga. Is that how that works? Sure. Yeah. In Sanskrit? Like a, script. <laughs> like a cycle? <laughs> like we're just in this endless cycle? I can't remember. Uh, I can't even remember where I heard it, but it was mind-blowing. Blowing. It was like all these turtles were a different cycle of like hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah. I think that's like an old Chinese like proverb thing, isn't it? Like, it's isn't that uh, it's uh, Sanskrit. It's in oh, Sanskrit, Sanskrit scripts. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Should we get into anything else or should we wrap it up or what do you think? What do you want to do? Are you asking me or Graham? I'm asking you. <laughs> Oh, I don't know uh, the fuck what he was, dude. Man, I can go on and on. Like, it's, I can go, like, we can talk about pretty much any topic, but um, I guess what we could talk about now is uh, the future. Like, what's on the horizon? Yeah, what are you going right? to do next? Yeah, so, um, well, I think we're going to get close. We're going to, because the discoveries aren't just going to stop. They're going to keep going, and we're going to get closer and closer to the truth. And I think we might, maybe even within our lifetime, if you know, academia gets the shit together and the internet's still around, you know, might, you know, might shut down. You never know. Um, assuming all that stuff is still going, then yeah, I think the, the light at the end of the tunnel is unlocking the migrations of the genetic, like the genetic drift or, or, or finding a fossil that might be another smoking gun that is quote, the missing link linking one p- population of p- people to another and ultimately, we might all get all the way back to Homo erectus. And I mentioned earlier that the Chinese, the Chinese scientists, um, they hold a lot of that stuff close to their vest. And maybe one day they'll just um, they'll, they'll say, just release all. They'll that. say, and "Here's they, how history really was, you people." <laughs> or at the very least, a big chunk of the the picture. Yeah, you know. 
and or it might all that stuff might be destroyed too. We know we don't really know. The communists really torched everything, and even their their uh, previous um, the the artifacts of the dynasty before the rise of communism. And then a lot of the artifacts are in Taiwan. That the surviving ones are in Taiwan, which is basically the only part of uh, China that isn't communist. Basically, which I I shouldn't. Say, the Taiwanese people might get pissed if I say that they're part of China, but yeah, they they escaped with all that. Free to bet. Free Tibet, my friend. Is Tibet Absolutely. part of Taiwan? No. No. Tibet no. Is, uh, is way far away. <laughs> so China's <laughs> fucking with Tibet and Taiwan? Yeah. Oh. Well, they're not really fucking with Taiwan. They just, they, they don't want anyone to acknowledge that Taiwan is Taiwan. They want everyone to acknowledge that Taiwan's China. That's why Trump got into trouble a couple years ago for tweeting out uh, that shit about Taiwan. Just, just naming them by name. You know, he got, he got all that shit. <laughs> Yeah. So we, um we conquered them. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, but the future looks bright in terms of archaeology, guys. I think there's going to be a, a lot more down the pipe and um people like Graham Hancock and uh Randall Carlson and all like Bruce Fenton all these guys, they're probably going to be exonerated within our lifetime, I think. Um some people think that that is too optimistic, but I don't. I think um being pessimistic just isn't helpful. You know, especially when it comes to this, like that, there's no time to be pessimistic. You know, we, uh, uh you, tomorrow's not guaranteed. So that's basically why I've, I started the channel not even a year ago and I'm, I'm getting, I'm closing in on 200 episodes and that's not because I'm, you know, trying to make money or anything. I don't make shit. I'm just, I feel like literally I might not be here tomorrow, you know, so I better get the shit out today. Yeah. And I think that's a very productive attitude to have. And it's hard. It's hard to maintain that. You know, it's hard to avoid burnout and stuff. But um, I think what keeps me going is that light at the end of the tunnel because I'm very optimistic about the future. And I think um, everyone else should should develop this interest. You know, I think it's very some people think it, it's useless knowledge, but understanding the past to me really it sounds cliche, but it is the key to unlocking a better future. And, yeah, um, for sure. And you yeah. also start uncovering what, what's been lied about and what, what's been sort of hidden from us as well, which is important. It's all fake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. That's where Darren's at these days. Yeah. It's all fake. Yeah. It's all history's fake. written by the winners and you never know what. It's all the fake. earth is hollow and flat at the same time. Yeah. Right? I don't go that far. <clears throat> hollow. I don't go that far. Let's that's, that's reel it in. Lisa's got some caves and stuff. It's in got a sure. small space. At the center, that's hollow, somewhere that's, between 30 and 300 feet. Could be as big as three miles. That's creating where matter. Where hair production takes place, matter is created, finds its way to the surface. Did you guys ever end up getting Dubay on? Who's that? No. No, Eric we Dubay should, should have him on. He reviewed the show. He gave us a five-star review. Okay. That's something. I'm, I don't know if I want to go down that road again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That flat earth uh, thing is really, really... It's really toxic, I think. It can get toxic. Great power comes great responsibility. Absolutely. But that would make for an interesting conversation for for sure. He probably won't call me an idiot. So at least we have that. He He seems like a a very polite young man. Yeah. Like Graham. Except Graham's an old man. Graham looks great. What are you talking about? He looks great for 50, doesn't he? (laughs) I guess. He should grow out a beard. 49 in a week tonight. A week tomorrow. 
Ooh, I have a little birthday bash. Yeah, I'm gonna give out Graham's phone number for his birthday. He <laughs> <laughs> gets doxxed for his birthday. Thanks. Right on. Well, can you give us all your uh, social media handles and every your uh, YouTube channel name? Give us all that stuff so all these fucking fine folks can track you down. And keep Absolutely. in touch too, because I'd I'd really like to do this again because you're hitting all these cool things that uh, we should you're get very you. knowledgeable and you and you you know you <clears throat> very articulate and you talk about it well and it's just it's all the stuff we're interested in so yeah keep keep it up and we should do this again like mm-hmm. semi regularly you know every nine months or something or yeah we oh, can well, get you, you on guys. the uh, intros once in a while yeah 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 for new stuff yeah to give us yeah. a little update yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And then meet at CAC one of these times, contact at the castle or cabin or catacomb. <clears throat> catacomb, that's yeah, a good absolutely. one. <laughs> hey, catacomb, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, thanks, guys. It's very flattering. I, I mean, it's really, it's actually pretty surreal because I used to listen to you guys. I mean, I still do used listen to, to you guys. So I mean, <laughs> the fuck? I mean, when I, fr- <laughs> no, when I started listening to you guys about like 2013 or Oh, wow. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, I, cause, you know, I, I'm into a lot of this type of subject matter. It's been like that for a while. Yeah. And so now it's surreal to actually step foot in Grimerica. That's I mean, it's cozy here. I like awesome. it. It's right nice. On. It's Good. fuzzy. It's warm. It's, yeah, it's I mean, poor. We're a poor country. <laughs> but that's going to change. 2019's a year. I'm really happy you guys finally got a, a studio, too. Yeah. That's thanks. really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's like my dream right there to have my own studio. But right now I've got, I'm sharing a room with two dogs and, you know. <laughs> I mean, you got to start somewhere, though, right? That's right. You got to start somewhere. You keep but at anyway, it. Anyway, uh, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, my social media, I guess, my uh, YouTube and bitshoot.com slash the Jindo or twitter.com slash the Jindo. Those are the, my three main, um, I guess you can say, uh, media outlets. Um, and you, DLive is something that I'm experimenting with. Uh, DLive.com slash the Jindo, which, which, which is exclusively uh, live streaming. I did a couple of live streams, but um, I just don't have the user base yet or the, yeah, the viewership yeah. yet to like get that going. But that's down the the hatch. Minds.com, I don't really use as much either. But th- if you want to follow me there, minds.com slash the Jindo as well. But uh, yeah, um, Twitter is probably the best way to like if you want to contact me, if you want to sometimes I get uh, comments on YouTube or someone will tweet me a really cool uh, article. Hey, if you guys have a cool article, send it my way and I'll tweet it out and I'll, I probably will cover it too at some point if it's interesting enough. And I've had a few of those as well. Uh, so yeah, that, that about does it for on my end though, in terms of uh, plugging. Right on. There you guys go. Awesome. Go check all that shit out. Give it a follow, give it a like, give it a share, give it a subscribe, all that fun stuff. That's important. Right on, buddy. Thanks. That's nice important. To meet you. Have you thought about doing it in a uh, podcast form? I was going to ask that. Absolutely, I've thought about it. I've thought about doing interviews too. Um, I've had I had some a few uh, like pr- local professors. Like there, uh, there's this physicist at UC Irvine. Um, he he was actually on Ancient Aliens. Um, <laughs> yeah, on the first season. Um, I was I was contacting him, but I just felt like I'm not. I'm not at that point yet, but yeah, eventually I'll get on iTunes and get like uh like on, like web hosting and 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 get some episodes on iTunes as well. So yeah, but for now it's just uh, YouTube and BitChute. BitChute I have a lot of hope for because um there's no censorship or anything like that. Yeah, like I did it. Yeah, I, I did an episode be, on. Yeah. I did an episode on on um the Bible, 
a couple episodes on the Bible and I got like algorithmed. Like I got blacklisted. Like, <laughs> the viewership. Yeah. So I'm like, whoa, this is ridiculous. And I, I didn't even say anything controversial, you know? So yeah, I don't know. I just think YouTube you can't is be pushing chip. pushing Christianity by yeah, that's, just, that's, that's, that's trouble. Just hey, if us dopes can do it, you can do it too. You can interview yeah. anyone you want. Um <laughs> it gets easier over the years. But no, I think it'd be a great podcast, you know, a little 20, 30 minute tidbits that get you up to date, all the stuff that these fucking guys should be reading, but they're not because they're just glossing over headlines as they're going through their feeds like robots. Sorry, guys, I love you, but uh, don't do that. Do less of that. Um, but yeah, I think it's a podcast there. If you need help with that, you uh, shoot me a message. Thank you, Darren. I will. Definitely. All right, brother. Well, I guess we wrap it up there. All right, great to meet you guys. You, you too, too, man. Have, have a good rest of the day. It was an right. honor. You right, too. That was come, fun. Come Flew back by. anytime. Absolutely. Bye bye. Bye. Now is a chat. That was great. Justin Jindu. <clears throat> Super knowledgeable. That was fun. I love speculating about all that stuff too. You just love speculating. I do. No, not only that, but just looking at, you know, speculating in a way where you're following the evidence too, which is not really speculation, but. Let's not get carried away. You just like speculating, period. Whether there's evidence, no evidence, doesn't matter. I was looking at the world maps while we were talking. I can't wait to, I don't know, travel somewhere like the Azores, maybe. The Azores? Yeah. Azores. Azores. It's definitely not the Azores. <laughs> NASA and the Azores. Yeah, Justin Giefer, come back anytime, buddy. It was a fantastic chat. Uh, I talked, I, I'm pretty engaged with him on Twitter. Well, we don't really chat a lot, but he, I retweet a lot of his stuff because he's like tweeting out a lot of great stuff and he tags me in it. So it's easy for me to see and it comes across. At least I'm getting the headlines. That's why I need the podcast. Well, so when right. I see the headline, oh, I got to listen to that episode. Oh, I got to listen to that episode instead of these YouTube videos. It's harder to sit down and watch a YouTube video. Of course, we love you guys that take the time to do it. Love you guys that uh, take the time to download the show, listen to the show, review the show, and share the show even more. But you know who we love most of all? The guys who head over to Grime and gals who head over to GrimeAmerica.ca slash support and uh, make a one-time donation, sign up for a Patreon, sign up for a PayPal, sign up for a Stripe, do something, support the show in some way, shape, or form financially because, uh, like Justin said, unfortunately... Money makes the world go round. That's it. Right on. Thanks, You're looking buddy. at me all weird. Are you hungry or something? <laughs> I haven't had dinner yet. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Feel like I broke down at your mama. Can't even find the words to speak. Feel like I broke down at your papa.
like a broke Feel like broke down as your mama Can't even find the words to speak Oh no, I have fallen through the cracks